welcome home, Oni Chan. We came here today entering the Weeaboo Corner. How's your week been? You had a good one? This episode is what we call in the biz the little sister episode. Everyone has a little sister. Every single main character is either a little sister or has a little sister or some little sister is involved in one way or another. We see in little sisters today, so grab that maternal instinct, bruh, because we either protecting or attacking. And I'm going to attack first by saying this is a very special episode where we not only review five anime, but six whole anime. Our ecchi section will involve two different anime and will be slight but shorter, as one is a two hour long anime and the other is 30 minutes. With that first spoiler, this... This is our first child-friendly episode, so we'll see just how long I can go without swearing, starting from now. So, Netflix's original Devilman Crybaby is about the craziest thing I've ever seen and the hardest thing for me to get into. I suppose the huge 18 tag on it should have ticked and I should have known exactly what I was getting into, but I'm going to try and summarise it just a little bit. Basically, it's like watching that one orgy scene from The Matrix 2 mixed of blood plus and maybe about four quarts of LSD. The story does kind of bang though, because ultimately the series really teaches you that it's very much okay to cry if you feel like it. Main boy Akira is not even nearly best boy, but he damn well tries. Every ending of every episode is super climactic, but so by the time I'd actually gotten into the series, which would have, uh, which would be like when I finished episode two, I was hooked, which was somewhat manageable since the show is only ten episodes long. It's about three hours and a bit in total. Low key, it's very deep. The storylines behind these characters run so far back that their shortcomings in life really dictate their actions in the later series, but their positive aspects are the reason that everyone is against them. Like the speed of the show is super fast paced, that every single episode is constantly moving forward, no taking breaks, and for a slice of life enthusiast like myself, it's going to be hard to get into. But I found out uh, somewhat after, after that that it was kind of worth it actually. <laughs> There's a final awakening, first episode. Main uh, main Akira boy goes full Gurren Lagan final episode and he gets Yamchad. He gets uh, put directly into a crater. So sooner or later in the series, you're going to realise that this is the Game of Thrones of anime. Robert Baratheon dies. Spider-Man dies twice. But essentially, this becomes a story about how the true demons, the true devils, are really the, the humans that feared them in the first place. As shortly after episode uh, four... We, I realised that this series isn't really about Akira at all. This is a full story revolving around the innermost demons in the hearts of society. It reveals the, uh, the anarchist in all of us, the want to rebel, the urge to break the law, and even uh, the most sexual, vulgar parts of the human psyche all in, in all of its brutal honesty. You can predict the amount of madness that might happen in this. You can even see it coming, but it's so disgusting to see all the evil that's truly inside humanity. <clears throat> I want to be the I want to be the last person to say that the music in this had me lost, as I I don't really rate techno funk music. This is the one and only anime that made me really consider enjoying it for once. The music is heavily incorporated into the feel and the general mood of the show, from the destructive chaotic violence to the transformations, the way these humans erupt into some monstrosities. It's as if the music itself is transforming them, as in episode 3 we find that techno-funk is actually a catalyst 
and maybe possibly a factor in the transformations. But even though everyone died, it's all worth it in the end for that sweet, sweet tech. Mm, sweet, sweet techno. Of course, the MC has a motorbike, so you're looking like Cloud Strife, looking cool as all heck, but the real interest, in my opinion, came from the adaptation into the new body that Akira gains after the first episode. His awakening, if you will. As the way that he gets used to his body is by allowing it to walk for him, making his decisions, and ultimately he gives in to his impulses as a man who is part devil, he struggles with the need to stay himself but he can't help but act out of impulse due to how his body is working now. For real, this show had me questioning every every bloody thing that I still can't be feeling like uh, the show takes, uh, I still be feeling like the show takes it all away. But there's this cat, this, this black cat. Is anyone going to talk about the cat? Like, at all? I, I feel like I'm losing my mind about this cat, for real. Oh, but really though, for real, really though, the last episode, I ain't gonna spoil anything major, but the last episode does take place in the Neon Genesis Evangelion universe. It did make sense of the entire show, but there definitely is a part of the NG, NGE series. Let's break down the timeline for you real quick. So, it goes, episode 1 to 23 of Neon Genesis Evangelion. Then you watch part one of the Neon Genesis of the end of Evangelion. During the interval, you watch Devilman Crybaby episodes one to nine. Then you watch the end of Evangelion part two, and then you watch episode 10 of Devilman Crybaby. It will make so much sense, bro, I swear, or not, because that's honestly convoluted as, as all heck. But in the end, Yuno and Yuki have a great wedding, happy end. The true Shinji was humanity itself, which explains everything, since Shinji is the instrument for humanity. And the only thing really missing from Devilman Crybaby is God Ray's celestial vagina hands and Gendo. There's absolutely no beach episode, but there is so much plot. An uncomfortable amount of plot, actually so much plot that I feel like my innocent soul is being corrupted, but then I am reborn through these three hood rats that rap in Japanese every now and then. It's almost like a delve into their own lives or how they're feeling at that moment in time, but at the same time, they're also critiquing each other, responding, interacting, and sometimes even recapping the entire story. Akira is a very interesting character because even though we experience the whole transformation from his weak self into this chad of a devil man, we also see a great deal of how much humanity he retains the entire journey. Through his passions and his love for humans, Akira always cries for someone, if not everyone. If you ain't crying on the outside, if you ain't crying on the inside, Akira is crying on both for you, for us, for everyone. Devilman Crybaby really gives us the feel and the feels and the questions we never truly wanted to ask, but I ain't cry once, so it was truly, was it truly emotional or was it just honest and realistic? So I'm going to give Devilman Crybaby a, 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 an 8 out of 10. 8, solid 8, beautiful 8. So I've lived a good long life and I've heard plenty of people throw around the term genius masterpiece true eye candy but i'm here to say that why the hell are you here teacher is an absolute genius masterpiece of true eye candy 
I've heard the term that anime adheres to the male fantasy, but I have never been sexually attracted to any of my teachers, cause all of my teachers look like a year pot old pot of hummus left in the sun their whole life. I never truly understood the want to smash teachers until I saw an attractive teacher in anime. But what is this show truly about? <laughs> it's about four separate awkward students who get into really extremely awkward situations with their teachers, who most of the time have played some kind of part in their, in their paired students' life one way or another. There's this evil demon teacher, a cute short lolly teacher, the tanned gym teacher, wait she's not a lolly, she's got a plot, hella plot, too much plot in fact, and the socially uh, and emotionally removed stone-faced emotionless teacher. I've got a best girl, do you? To be fair, this show is probably not child friendly since it has bare nipples in the OP and in every single episode, but my man tastes coochie by episode 4. So really, even though they are all good students, there's, there's always a still there's a small bit of Chad in all of us, except for the kid with the gym teacher, 0% Chad. So on that note, welcome to school. <laughs> We've got beach episode. <laughs> yes. We've got plot for decades. The show is hilarious. I've already seen the whole show seven times in total and I never got bored of every single scene, but of course the show does have its flaws. No final awakening, there's not a lot of world building or much of an entirely gripping storyline, but really the true grip comes from just how incredible you have to be to get into these situations in the first place. My brothers speak their thoughts out loud. They get into stupid, uncomfortable situations, but I'ma throw that all under the one excuse, they're just plain unlucky. There's not really hella emotional moments, that, but there's plenty to get excited about because there's so much suspense and so much drama for absolutely no reason. People just say things on accident. And we're not even gonna talk about the uh, suppository or the snake bite or the tea scene or the stargazing bit or the crab, the kiddie pool, the laundromat, cause that's just awkward. But I was still on the edge of my seat every single time, all laughing loud. So with two hours of runtime in this show, minus the outros, this show probably stuck with me the most this year. From the moment I saw it by accident, I knew that I was getting into something crazy, but I was never, but I never lost my way. I always found a way right back to the first episode, and really, it's kind of magical. The relationship between these teachers and their students is really something less of favouritism and more of a longing fetish that I never knew I had. Every scenario played out with every worst case happening mid-scenario really makes for an exciting scene, which I can only compare to Persona 4 the animation in a way that the MC in that show will always choose the worst possible option for the multiple choice, which is even more resembling of the improvisation rule. Im improvisation rule of never saying no to a scenario and always going along with it no matter how bizarre it gets. So why the hell are you here teacher gets a, a lovely uh, 6 out of 10. Sorry, but you know, the, the scoring, 6 out of 10, 6. And with that, we'll transition straight into... <sighs> I want you to make a disgusted face and show me your underwear. I. I think I found my true calling. 
yeah, you heard it here, folks. We got about half an hour's worth of fine anime honeys showing you their underwear, whilst also looking at you like you urinated in their cereal. Seriously, is no one going to catalogue this? Burn it to a file drive and put it on the Space Voyager. I feel like aliens everywhere need to understand the weight, nay, the sheer bliss that is uh, anime girls looking at you like you took a dump on their freshly cooked macaroni whilst also showing you their underwear and insulting you all the while. The show does have an absolute banger OP and outros, but realistically there's not much going for it in terms of every single category that I've got, except for whether or not it's worth watching. And I say that if you're looking for a whole new reason to get turned on, this is it, dudes, this is it. This is the holy grail of degeneracy. You should know this to your, you should show this to your little brother. And I guarantee that he'll be watching Naruto from then on. This is the perfect anime. This can't be rated because an anime like this can receive no true rating inside the boundaries of entertainment. This is more than just entertainment. This is church. 20 out of 10, great, maximum, double the maximum points, easy peasy. Oh boy, we're talking about Eramanga Sensei, uh, Eramanga Sensei. <laughs> okay, let's, let's, let's break it down. Eramanga Sensei is a touching tale of a boy struggling with his dream of being a professional author whilst he desperately tries to get his little sister to notice him as an older brother. So the anime is about an author somewhat similar to A Sister's All You Need, but only in visual aestheticism of the Emoto, as the little sister isn't fetishized by her older brother. No, no. He just straight up tells us he's in love with her, and he more or less confesses that to everyone else too. His book is called The World's Cutest Little Sister. Why did I watch this? Well, I guess I'll find out when I get to hell and ask the devil himself. <laughs> but it's okay guys, it's fine. They're not actually related by blood, so it's perfectly legal. We've all beat to this. We all know how we, we we know how anyone who isn't related or connected in any way by blood is automatically a candidate to be a little sister character sexualized to all hell. And that's why my internet history says that. Officer. I swear it's just an anime and not truly how I feel deep down in my heart towards any lolly that calls me Oni-chan and Baka, so can you please take the handcuffs off? Off the bat, this animation is incredible. It's so glossy and polished, it's like a blue of beautiful marble, straight out of the factory, until we find out who Eromanga Sensei is, and then she starts talking, and then she starts moving, and you realise this is more than just a beautiful marble, this is a polished dookie, perfectly waxed, beautifully shined, and with the most perfect and expert craftwork. We have lollies, we have the TTT, the Sundere Triple Threat, everyone's a Sundere, Sagiri's a Sun, Elf's a Sun, Senju's a Sun, even the boys are Sun one way or another. It's like every single episode, something crazy happens, all the way up until the halfway point of the series, where pretty much everyone has confessed their love to Masamune at that point, because he's basically the greatest Chad of all human life itself, since the dawn of time, only rivaling Makoto from school days. The only difference is that there's less girls around Masamune, and he doesn't smash every girl who gives him eye contact. On top of that, we have a beach episode! <laughs> yes! 
And even though I'm a beach episode connoisseur, this one really stands out as a, a little more than just a beach episode. It's a necessary puzzle piece to cement the relationship between characters. The story then proceeds to cement dreams and aspirations of characters as instead of flashy backstories all the time, we actually have a good amount of straight explanation, as characters are never really shy about admitting their dream. From the way we see Masamune express his innermost passions for writing, we understand that the dreams of these characters are so simply unswayed. There's nothing that will stop these characters from achieving their dreams, and as they are constantly working, pulling all-nighters, writing story after story, getting all the tutoring they need day in, day out, the absolute drive of these characters is insane. But then you realise they have an attitude and it's all out the window. For real though, the coherence in the show is actually really smooth. From the moment the episode begins, we're led uh, hand in hand through a series of events that will make one character grow some way. Maybe the story won't be too gripping, but we'll never really, we never really stayed for the story, did we? We low-key kind of stayed to see what Eramanga Sensei is going to say next. What's she going to do next to someone's panties, huh? Mad. It was kind of hard to choose best girl. It was really, really hard to choose best girl in the series when the whole show, uh, where we're shown an absolute multitude of anime babes and each one of them 2D and uh, not real, non-existent anime girls. Officer, please. So we can imagine the absolute sheer degeneracy that takes place in this show. The problem with imagining it is that seeing it is so much worse because I never imagined anything that happened in this show. The characters are also distinctly similar, which is a small issue that I had with the show, is that even though the designs of these characters are so different, there was always a distinct similarity in the girls, as well as a very obvious similarity between the two boys too. They just had uh, kind of similar personalities. Regardless of their different upbringing and even their current motivations and dreams, all of the girls at their base level seemed kind of bland. The only people that really stood out most were Sagiri and Elf, but that's okay. We can pit them against each other in the little system ladder match. I'm ready. The music in the show is astonishing. The OP, the sweet slice of life tunes that go into the background. The way the music really softly complements the scene, I had a good amount of fun watching the show all the way to the end, but I could not stop listening to that OP. Watching Sagari dancing in her room gave me the strength I needed to stand up and tackle the day, but then the episode begins, and we're given so much more than just Sagari being amazing. We have uh, so much drive throughout the episode. It's so cute the way that this man juggles taking care of his neat sister and holds down writing light novels at the same time, but the man is killing it. I was bawling out laughing on so many moments, but most of all, I was basically glued to the screen pretty quickly. After the first episode, in fact, all I could watch is Eramanga Sensei. From the moment I wake up, all I could think of was Eramanga Sensei so much that I made Eramanga Sensei my phone wallpaper, and I got a text from the FBI seconds later. If Eramanga Sensei was a food, it would have to be a fancy dish, topped with gasoline, thrown directly into a bin and lit on fire. It gets a beautiful chef's kiss and a match is thrown and it draws you in. You know it couldn't get worse than this. As it grows and spreads everywhere, all around, people are drawn to it and they continue to watch and see what happens next. Eramanga Sensei gets a 7 out of 10. The Abinabashi Shopping Arcade is so magical I can finally understand the title of the series. 
I found this series by accident on a search for the ultimate isekai and stumbled across something that had the words magical and arcade automatically such a fully wholesome show. Centred around two protagonists, Sashi and Arami, who happen to have a handful of mishaps happen to them and suddenly they wake up in a fantasy world. The episodes take them through uh, every different multiversal iteration of the shopping arcade in a different weekly fantasy world instead of a weekly monster. Every character in every iteration is the same person but a different role that they play or a different class, costume, accent, personality, goals. It's almost the perfect isekai. The protagonists are insanely funny through the entire series maintaining a fantastically streamlined comedy routine every episode. They're just always uh, going back and forth from each other, constantly bouncing off one another. As the story moves forward, we can quite clearly see that they're childhood friends, but their friendship uh, continues to grow uh, as we find out more hidden feelings underneath the surface. Basically, Arami is leaving the shopping arcade and Sashi is, in all his uh, chadness, don't care. If she gotta go, she gotta go, but he doesn't want it, secretly. So uh, we have a troubled Sashi, growing, uh, going through the day uh, trying to get to the bottom of everything, but eventually coming to a conclusion that ends in a tantrum. So the, the entire day goes terribly. Towards the end of the day, the family's prized pelican statue falls atop their shop and the sh- in the shopping arcade and someone is injured in the mix. Sashi and Arami wake up in a world with a castle and dragons. Already, such an easy, full, fully easy plot to follow, with uh, characters young enough to say whatever they mean and not care about anyone's feelings about it. Together, they try and find their way back to their world together, so that they can find a way to stop the madness and be back home with their families. The story moves forward to an isekai from then on out, the worlds build, the world built around us are so various and wild that we have a video game world, space world, we have a tournament arc world where we get references like Fist of the North Star and Dragon Ball Z, Street Fighter, Sashi achieves Super Saiyan levels of final awakenings in every single world but lacks the ability to survive Arami at all because she's a savage for no reason, but their chemistry is so perfect. A lot of the time, I found myself uh, binging the series because I wanted to see what they'll do next. The true beauty of the show really shines with how creative it can be. On a slapstick level of bo 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 bo, every episode is full of different worlds with different rules and the adaptations to these worlds are so realistic and understandable that it's difficult to get bored of the episodes. Nothing is never, nothing is never happening. There is always a main focus and if there's something in the background, there's a strong chance that it will be utilised in one way or another. The character design in this show rivals everything I've ever seen, from the way the main duo maintain their design in every world, to the background characters either being drawn by seven-year-olds or fully trained professionals. We have background characters that either look like Berserk the anime or Shin-chan, which I think is (laughs) really charming. The OP is an absolute stormer and there's so much plot in this show that it's hard to keep my eyes on the centre screen sometimes. But as a lot of this show, everything in the show in fact is, uh, is interactable in almost every scene, the plot is almost always the centre screen and, uh, and the butt of the joke itself. Really, 
it was it was hard to not love this show all throughout the series i was ready to see what's going to happen afterwards there's always a different appeal to every episode and i found myself skipping meals sometimes because the absolute hilarity of the show had me laughing so much i needed to know where they were going to go next so magical shopping arcade abinabashi gets a beautiful 9 out of 10 from me chief the real deal but absolutely no beach episodes so that's that sorry about that chief on the low i didn't think i would talk about happy sugar life but here we are Happy Sugar Life is probably the happiest sugary slice of life I'll ever see in my life. No one dubbed it from episode 3 onwards cause it's insane. Let me read you the wiki for this cause goddamn. This series is centred on a high school girl Sato Matsuzaka who befriends a mysterious little girl called Shio and immediately falls in love with her. After finding Shio, who was abandoned by her mother, they both agree to live together in Sato's apartment. She vows to protect that feeling of love even if it means committing crimes or even killing people. So there's that. I don't know why I'm in love with shows involving pink haired girls, but this show really shows us that if your hair is pink, there's a strong chance you're insane. And it's quite clearly prominent throughout uh, episode one onwards. I never really read the wiki before I watched the series but um, but so so my uh, my sequence was my sequence of thoughts when oh this is nice that intro was a little bit weird but you know, th this is nice I kind of like this girl actually possible best girl contender oh god oh no she's she's insane isn't she oh, I never asked for this but I did ask for this. I begged for this, cause I watched this show every episode one after another, wide-eyed staring at my screen, wondering what the hell is wrong with me for watching this. Two girls, one sin. You don't want to relate to these girls cause they're horrible. Similarly to Devilman Crybaby, this show removes the devils by making it the innermost awfulness of a human soul. The children are horrendous. These children are absolutely horrible. Through their actions and the way they put themselves on a pedestal, I started to find real beauty in the show from the way these people held so highly get dropped down so hard. Survival is a theme in this series, protection is a theme in this series, watching your back and knowing you can have your own is such a prominent theme that you can tell exactly when a moment a character loses the plot hits. The way the eyes of a character loses life and goes so dead, you can almost feel the corruption emanating from these characters. The, the humanity fades away and suddenly the survival instinct kicks in. You're, you, you protect yourself from the darkness by bringing out the, the innermost darkness from yourself. And that's what makes this show hard. The storyline is gradually exposed throughout the series, but never as much in a way that School Days did. They gradually tell you how it goes, it's drip fed to you, bit by bit, you believe deep down they're going to have a happy life, but the show gradually uh, strays you away from what you want. The characters are exposed to so much sin that the end result is, you know, quite frankly, right at the beginning, as a, uh, as a constant loop always going right back to the beginning. So, so, so you can see the people who done other, others dirty getting done dirty, and the progression into a life of a world of lifelessness 
a world without humanity, but it's not all terrible because there's really nice people. There's actually really, really nice people in the show. Regardless of the fact that there's always going to be like innermost desires and self-hatred, there are good people in the show, but the characters we follow are so removed from goodness that they only know the goodness that they believe in. Uh, which is most usually the opposite of the dirtiness that they received. The characters that have been sexually assaulted by their superiors gain some kind of complex where he falls in love with Shio. Uh, Shio's older brother, in love with her. Pretty much everyone who sees Shio, in love with her. Why are you looking at Shio? Are you in love with her or something? Am I gonna have to call the police? Ultimately, we gotta take this girl away from these people because I don't trust a single one of them. Every, these characters are definitely very memorable in a way that I absolutely hate every single one of them, but I can't help but see their regression into madness. Every single one of them all regressing into madness bit by bit. So if Eramanga Sensei is a trash fire, Happy Sugar Life is a fantastic burning house filled with white supremacists. Obviously it's not great to see the fire and do nothing, but the people inside are horrible. So I'm not going to do anything but watch. And as you look through the windows and you see that they get more and more roasted, you can't help but smile. It's a happy ending one way or another. I feel like I'm not really doing the show justice, which is perfect because we low-key kind of need less people watching this insanity. So let's count how many laws are broken in this show by everyone. We got kidnapping. We got child abuse, arson, sexual assault on a minor and an inferior co-worker, literal murder, literal murder. So obviously this is an anime that is not for the faint of heart, but realistically we have to watch the way that we ask the main question. Is this show exciting? This show is scattered with exciting moments, suspenseful, suspenseful moments, always something crazy happening around the corner. Uh, that I, I was on the edge of my seat asking, what? Why? Come on! As events just unfold themselves at this point, there, there's, there, there's always a whole new plot device of sodomy and wrongfulness. The show is full of the most vile signs of the human heart, and it's especially shown through the way that these characters are expressed in the shadows. Tayo, for some reason. The biggest example is the... Uh, that is a high school boy who was sexually assaulted by his ex-manager gains a fear of older women and he finds a missing poster of Shio, the girl Sato is in love with and he instantly becomes obsessed with like the six-year-old girl. Is this exciting? Probably not. But it's so real and logical that the, the cycle of torment would transfer. The way this man was done dirty is exactly the way he'll do others from then on and it just makes so much sense. Now, I didn't love Happy Sugar Life but it kept me so engrossed in the, uh, in the progress or regress of these characters that I genuinely couldn't stop watching. But it's got no final awakening, no plot, no beach episode, the music is kind of meh. So I'm gonna give it six out of 10. Six out of 10 seems very fair. Well, we made it. I hope you and your grandma had a fantastic time listening to this episode. What was your favorite part? Mm-hmm. Mm. Oh, oh my god. <sighs> well, I don't think we could be friends anymore. I want to take a break. It's not me, it's you. It's all you. Anyway, let's get to the main reason we finished the episode. Best girl of the season. The most anticipated segment so far. Best girl of the season contenders are 
Miki Makimura from Devilman Crybaby, Hikari Hazukura from Why the Hell Are You Here Teacher, Elf Yamada from Eren Manga Sensei, Sashi from Magical Shopping Arcade, Abinabashi, Shoko Hida from Happy Sugar Life, and the ultimate winner is <clears throat> Hikari from Why the Hell Are You Here Teacher. Oh! so much for listening everybody hopefully you all became a little bit more cultured in today's episode of the weeaboo corner i've been your host best boy and now (laughs) Ah, get the hell out of my corner bye Nigga come the only chain I'm the big brother nigga when I'm rubbing in the tub But you bitch, Lil sister flex Waking up the bitch in my bed And you trying to get down in the neck Pull up with the racks Bringing up the cups in the bays Got the A's as hoes Bringing Lil sis game Nigga no I ain't the same as another motherfucker I'm the big brother nigga don't need no other Picking up my sis from a class You should see her ass Peeping up my sis in the bath Whole gang looking at the cast Running to your boy and we heading to the yard only chance swags. <laughs>